0: This morning, God's word comes to us from Paul's letter to Titus, Titus chapter 2. We're going to begin our reading at verse 11 and then read through the end of this chapter. Titus 2. Beginning at verse 11, what we hear now is God's word. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Here we are in the reading of God's holy word. Well, this morning we continue with our series on the facets of salvation and maybe kids if i asked you to take a look at the songs that we sang this morning you could figure out what our facet is for today we have sung a number of songs this morning about redemption and that's what we're going to look at this morning we've looked at expiation propitiation reconciliation now this morning redemption probably one of the more well-known facets of salvation. Redemption has to do with the fact that a payment is being made. And in salvation, a payment being made for our sins. It is connected, redemption is connected to the idea of a ransom. We just said there was a ransom paid. In fact, in verse 14 of our text this morning, uh, he gave himself to redeem us. Uh, The word there is actually connected to the idea of a ransom being paid. He gave himself to ransom us. A ransom is paid. Maybe, kids, you've heard of someone being kidnapped, being taken away, and they ask for a ransom. If you pay the ransom, then you get the person back. We're talking this morning about a payment being made. A price that was paid for our salvation our salvation did not simply come by divine fiat that god said you're now forgiven all your sins are now gone those things are true but he did that at a cost he redeemed a people for His own. He paid their debt in full. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Who is it that pays the debt? To whom is the debt paid? And why was redemption undergone by God Himself? We look first at from what are we redeemed? Again from verse 14. Who gave Himself to redeem us From all lawlessness. What does it mean when it says we are redeemed from lawlessness? We're talking about the lawlessness of our sin. We are redeemed from our sin. We are redeemed from the guilt of our sin. Again, we talked about that with expiation the fact that the guilt of our sin has been removed. In God's eyes, He no longer sees us as guilty of sin and guilty of transgression. And what a wonderful blessing that is. God sees us as no longer guilty. And if that is how God sees us, that is also how we need to see ourselves. We don't need to keep beating ourselves up Over past sins, we have committed and confessed to God. We don't need to keep holding ourselves accountable. We can say, you know, God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. Who are we to be more righteous than God? You've been redeemed from the law, from the guilt of your sin. And so you can live a life of joy live a life in praise to him without without walking around with a dour countenance always recalling our sin recalling those things we have done yes we have sinned against god but we have been redeemed redeemed from the guilt of our sin and redeemed from the power of sin itself and paul talks about that in romans chapter 6 in romans chapter 6 And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Redeemed from the power of sin. Sin no longer has dominion over us. Yes, we will continue to struggle with sin in our lives, but God says, See yourselves as those who've been redeemed. Don't see yourselves as those still fallen and sinful. See yourselves as those in whom Christ is living, who He has brought to life. You must must consider yourself dead to sin because you are dead to sin. The power of the Holy Spirit is greater than the power of sin in our lives. We've been redeemed. Redeemed from our sin, Paul says. From the guilt of sin, from the power of sin. We have been redeemed from lawlessness which includes being redeemed from the law. Now not not set free from the obligation to keep the law, that obligation still remains upon us. That's why we read the law of God every Sunday morning. This is our response to salvation, to keep the law. No but redeemed from the curse of the law, from that law which would condemn us. Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians 3 verse 13 he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We no longer read the law as that which condemns us, as that which keeps us down. The law is now our path of freedom. It is our joy to walk in the ways of God. It is our joy to keep his law in devotion to him, set free from the curse of the law, from the condemnation of the law. We are set free from the ceremony of the law. Again from Galatians, this time chapter 4. Paul says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem, ransom those who are under the law so we might receive the adoption as sons. Previously, we'd been enslaved to elementary principles. In the Old Testament, God gave pictures, God gave images to point us forward to Christ, to what he has done. And now we have Christ, we have the reality. So we don't go back to the Old Testament ceremonial law. That's why we are not offering sacrifices this morning. The perfect sacrifice came, Jesus Christ, redeemed from the Old Testament ceremonial law and redeemed, redeemed from the works of the law as a means of righteousness. Again from Galatians, this time chapter 3, verse 10. We read, therefore, all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. If we are relying on our obedience to the law as a means to righteousness, as a means to to make ourselves look good in God's eyes, He will never attain that. That that was Luther's struggle. Could he do enough? Could he ever do enough to atone for his own sins, to redeem himself, to pay the price? No, we've been redeemed from the works of the law as a means of righteousness. For our salvation, I'm not telling you this morning, do these ten things and you will be saved. No, believe in what Jesus Christ has done that He has redeemed you from your fallenness, from your sin, from your bondage to law. Put your faith, your hope, your trust in Him and know the freedom of being set free to follow after God. We have been redeemed. A price has been paid. What was that price, kids? What did it cost God to redeem us? Did God have to pay money? Did God have to maybe pay a bunch of animals? What did God have to pay to redeem us? Well, Peter talks about that in his first letter, 1 Peter chapter one. We read in 1 Peter chapter one, you were ransomed, price was paid, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. What was the cost of our redemption? It wasn't gold. It wasn't silver. It wasn't money. It wasn't animals. The cost of our redemption was no less than the blood of Christ himself. Shedding of blood is required for the removal of sin. Shedding of blood was required for the redemption. Not the blood of goats or bulls. Not even our own blood. But the blood of the Son of God. That was the price, that was the cost, a cost we could never attain to, a cost which was paid by God Himself. Again, from our text, verse 14, He gave Himself to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people who are his own possession. God gives himself. The Father gives his own son. The Son gives his very blood to redeem a people for his very own. Oh, we've sung the wonderful love of God who would give of himself to redeem a fallen people. We might note just... Perhaps in passing, with regard to the cost of redemption, the blood sacrifice. To whom was that debt paid? Who did God pay the price to? And there are some who would suggest that, well, the price that was paid, the price of the blood of God's own Son, was paid to the devil as if the devil somehow owned us and God owed something to the devil to get us back. It is not the case that God owes anything to the devil. No, the the, the amazing thing about our redemption, the amazing thing about our ransom is that God pays the ransom to Himself. God who created us in Adam and Eve, creating us perfect, perfect fellowship between humanity and God, and yet man in his own willful disobedience breaks that fellowship, and God comes once again and he says, but I will still pay the price, the price you could not pay. We saw that in our minor prophet study of Hosea, one who pays the price for his own wife to get her back again. God pays the price to Himself to redeem that which was His to begin with. Oh, the greatness of the love of God for us. He does not leave us to go off on our own and say, hey, you had your chance. You blew it. There's no hope for you now. No, He comes and He pays the highest cost there could be. He gives His own Son for His own people. We read, to purify Himself a people for his own possession. We are the possession of God, redeemed. The price has been paid, freed from our sin, freed from the law at the cost of the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the beauty of redemption, the cost of what it took to buy us back into favor with God, And God would not withhold even His own Son to pay that debt we could never pay, to purchase that which was His own. We look at this facet of salvation, redemption, and we say, what a beautiful God, what a glorious God, what a gracious God, that He would not withhold the blood of His Son to redeem us as His own. What is our response to that? For what purpose has God paid that price? For what purpose has He redeemed us? Look at our text, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Verse 12. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. God redeemed us, kids, for two purposes. God redeemed us so we could say no, and God redeemed us so we could say yes. Why did God pay the price? He paid the price so we could say no, and He paid the price so we could say yes. We are to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. We are now to say no to the old ways of sin. We have been redeemed from that. The price has been paid. The price of the Son of God. That, that knowledge of the cost of our redemption should be a huge motivation for us to stay away from those old ways of sin, not to casually return to our sins. What did it take to buy us back? Not gold, not silver, Christ's own blood. So we could now, having been redeemed, having been saved, say no to ungodliness, say no to worldly passions. Our thoughts are not on the things of the world around us. But we are thinking, how can we serve our God in heaven? The one who has redeemed us. The knowledge of redemption at the cost of Christ's blood encourages us to say no to our sin, not to return to it lightly or casually once again, but to recognize what it took for God to make us his own. We're redeemed to say no. We're redeemed to say yes. And, Paul says, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. To live now for God. We know we will continue to struggle with our sin, but we must remember what God has done for us, and because of what he has done, because of the cost, the great cost of redemption, that we actively pursue righteousness pursue living in a way that shows God our thankfulness that brings glory for him how does Paul conclude this section in verse 14 God has redeemed a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works zealous for good works, a desire to do what God wants, not good works so that we can be saved, but because we have been saved, because we have been redeemed. How now can I thank you, God, for what you have done? I will be zealous to do those things which are pleasing in your sight. The knowledge of our redemption, the knowledge of the cost that was paid, should move us to a greater devotion to God, a greater zeal to live in a way that brings glory and honor and praise to Him. We have been redeemed. Redeemed from our sin, redeemed from the curse of the law, and all of this, not because of gold or silver or animals or anything less than the blood of God's own Son, Jesus Christ. As you walk out today, remember, that was the cost of your redemption. And may that, that appreciation of what the cost was move us to a greater devotion, a greater willingness to say no to ungodliness, no to worldly passions, and by the power of God's spirit to devote ourselves to be zealous toward self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Oh, the beauty, the glory of this facet of salvation God has redeemed, has purchased us, his people. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, when we consider what you have done in salvation, we are amazed. Amazed that after creating man perfect and bestowing him with righteousness and holiness, which he would squander, that you would not leave him in that fallen, desperate condition But you would accomplish the most perfect redemption. You would pay the price with the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, we thank you, O God, that the ransom has been paid. We have been set free. We are now brought back into fellowship with you as your very own possession. May that wonderful news, may that glorious gospel, Encourage us, strengthen us, and move us toward a greater zeal and devotion in our daily lives, in our homes, at our jobs, to live in a way that brings glory to you. Hear us, O God, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.